Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. I thought it was interesting that, um, like they said, a company, you know, Snap, Snapchats, you know, they're about to do their IPO, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're like, they haven't reported a profit or, you know. You know well, Amazon doesn't report a lot of profits either. I so got to well, check did, on this recently, but their cash flow is ridiculous. They have so much cash coming in that they have the money to pay their debts regardless of what happens. It's like the United States government, right? We're not making a profit. <laughs> this company, this one country is not making a profit, but we have so much cash that we can pay down interest on any loans that we have. And that's what Amazon does. That's what Snapchat does because their economic model brings in cash. It may not be more to pay the bills, but they can get an interest on a loan. No small business can work that way. That's an economics of scale situation. So you got, an, you, you're, um, <clears throat> you got a business... Basic economic model, maybe you're putting food on people's tables, right? I make a meal, I sell that meal for a certain amount of money, but it costs me to wash the dishes, costs me to keep the electricity on, to cook the food, all this overhead, and you're not making enough to actually keep putting out food. Yeah. How are you going to hire anybody? So you got to understand that model. That's where it comes down to. So but what, what is it called? That's what I'm saying. So this, this is the part where I'm investigating that specifically is where it... What does it mean when you have a lot of cash but don't have a lot of profit? Well, that I feel like if you have a lot of cash and you don't have a lot of profit, then you have to operate off of the net. So if you make 10K but your overhead is five, then you have to, in my opinion, you have five to play with. But what I would do is probably put two to the side and then use three use three as something to uh, reinvest into the company. So I can buy new equipment with the three, or maybe I'll switch it up, probably put the three to the side and use the two. So that if the well really does dry and you end up in a situation where you have no contracts or everything's pending, because prime example is I've been negotiating this, I've been negotiating two contracts for six months. I got a, I got a negotiation going around that long. Right. And so if the well runs dry, then you need that in the side um, and basically in the bank so that you can still be able to sustain. So you have to ask yourself, how much is assistant going to cost me and how much are they going to cost me annually? Mm-hmm. That's huge to me. So if you're paying 400 a month and you got 12 months in a year, that's 4,800. Mm-hmm. Do I have six months worth of that already or three months worth of that already? And then do I have projected or am I in negotiations to bring that in? Can I wrap this contract up in time to make sure that they're paid from a different surplus? Like to me, that's that's how I'm operating or how I'm looking at it. I would say that um, <clears throat> it's intelligent, but if you focus too much on that, mm-hmm. all you're doing is saving enough to stay afloat for six months. 
And so you start chasing the contracts that help you stay afloat as opposed to chasing the contracts that help you scale and leverage up. Mm. That's just that's just my thought process on that. But in terms of uh, you, Chris, do you have a P&L statement that goes out three years? I'm getting my account. 12 account. months. 12 months, yes. 12 months. All right. Month, month by month, right? Yes. And you have all your projections going on based on that. Zero out your sales. Mm-hmm. Then you'll know how much your, your business truly costs mm-hmm. over time. Then you add in conservative sales numbers. You hit 30% of your target, 50% of your target. Then you start seeing your threshold of failure. We cannot not sell 50% of our target numbers. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're going to be cash flow negative. And so that's how you, you, you play around with your financial model. It's like um, um, they say well, the Constitution. That's a cash flow statement then. <clears throat> For a year. It is, but it's also a, a, a financial model mm-hmm. um, because you, you're adding in a new product or you're adding in a new right, business right, right. line mm-hmm. or you're saying, all right, what if I change this economics, these economies of scale here and I do more of this smaller item mm-hmm. and the, so it costs me less to do this smaller item like photo shoots. All right, if I, if I do 50 of them in one month, it'll cost me X as opposed to if I do five in one month, it still costs me X. Mm-hmm. I should go do 50 because my economies are scaling better. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, but then I feel like the piggyback off of that would be is, okay, in order for him to execute the 50 video shoots. He might have to hire a have few to hire. people. Mm-hmm. So then you have to calculate that That's into sort of, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, what it is. But what you're saying is, is understanding your fixed costs as well. Right, right. Fixed Absolutely. costs matter. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so is your company ready to hire? Question number one. Are you wearing all hats? In order to um, keep your company afloat, maybe you need to start paying an expert to do that better than you could have ever done. Mm-hmm. That's, that's point number two. And then I would say, um, <clears throat> are you are you not that good at, at, at everything? Well, I guess it goes back to question number two. If you aren't that good at everything, figure out the things you're worst at and pay somebody to do them if you absolutely can. Especially and, if they kill productivity. Right. Right. Yeah. Truth be told. <laughs> Spending time and money doing stuff you're not that good at and getting burnt out before you can ever go, to, go do the things that make you money. Man. <laughs> I spent time in that, in that arena. The question is how do you... I get in that situation is just how to trust X, Y, and Z people because I feel like you need money to almost waste in order to... to I don't know if that makes sense, but I mean, I, it, it doesn't right. make sense to lose the money, but you have to say... You gotta take you, the you risk. Gotta, you have to have uh, you have to have almost a BS budget because you're gonna go through some BS. Because you're gonna get BS. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. again, I think that that's it's, one of the areas that it always it comes back to the small details. Are you on time? How do you like are you responsive to the emails? All of that stuff is gonna tell you what this person is really about. And then it's gonna boil back down to the SOPs. It's hard to fail at something if you're giving it maximum effort if you know exactly what you have to do. So if this person's coming in and you're like, look, you got two hours here a day in in my office with me, and all I need you to do is check emails and respond or, or to send out um, to apply to 20 speaking engagements. That is your task every day. I feel like that works when the job is that defined. But a lot of times the job, A, isn't that defined because I need an expert to help me go define it. Or B... It's not that defined because it's just a more organic job, right? Um, sales. 
period, right? You okay. Bringing in a number of sales. Yes, bringing in this certain number is your SOP. How you go about doing it, here's some tactics, some techniques. Yeah. But the skill of selling is every single yeah. day. It's a different conversation. It's a Absolutely. different point. And so you can't teach that. Um, I hear what you're saying. I feel like it has to be more flexible than that for a, 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 a bigger role in the company. But I think that, so for me, the way I look at it is the SOPs are just the benchmark. Right. It's something for you that, it's so that you don't have to go and create everything yourself. You're going to have your own style. Like we all are CEOs in different industries and we do something similar, something's different. Right. So, but at the same time, if we sat down here, as I mean, shoot, while we're sitting down here, there's a lot of parallel and overlap in what it is that we do. We just do it differently. So somewhere along the line, we've read the same books. We've done, we're doing the same principles. We're just doing them differently. And so for me, it's understanding that, what the core is, and then adopting it and being yourself. Like you would have told the young lady that she was disappointed in. I would never <laughs> say that, right? But at the same time, it's the same principle in I want you to do better, come back around. I gave the opportunity to come back around. You was gave them the disappointment, nope. get out of here, nope. right? I, gotta I knew learn. there was going to be no follow-up. I knew that there wasn't going to be any follow-up, so therefore I was doing the exact same thing. So to me, it's a matter of... You know, just style, but you need a yeah. benchmark. You yeah. got the benchmark of entrepreneurship. Everybody knows entrepreneurship is living like others won't, so you can live. All like right, so people. you keep talking SOPs, SOPs and as you brother. as as you can tell, <laughs> as you can tell, I like challenging folks. Yeah. What's the next key hire you need to make to hit the next level? Mm. Same question to you, Chris. Offers. I was just say. Uh... I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking about bringing an assistant in right now at the moment. Um, so, I mean, just to kind of even give a snapshot of what's going on right now in my business, you know, you know, February, so February and January after Christmas is, you know, slow times. Everything starts mm-hmm. to pick up more March. Mm-hmm. You know, things go really well with November, you know, that November season, and that's what carried me over till till now. Right. Um, so it's one of those things where. Um, if I was to hire somebody now, it has to be you know more of a quick return. Like I know that they can do X, Y, Z. I know you know it's, it's pretty much. And you believe that that's going to take your business to the next level? No, that's not a next level situation. You, Who? Which hire? What's the hire that takes your business to, to the, the next, next level. level? Next level. I think I just. I think it was one. I know one of the things I wrote down. I wrote, I wrote down two things. Mm-hmm. Um. And this, but this is just freestyling off the thought. I didn't really put too much thought in it. I was, I was looking and thinking into a, a business coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A consultant, strategy consultant possibly, or a business coach that would help you personally. I think more business coach that would help me personally. Right. So I think that's more Make you a better leader. Better leader, but just have, you know, be able to have better vision. Right. In order to kind of figure right. things out, how to prioritize things a little bit better. Right. Um, so you think the next investment will have to be an investment in self? But that's that's usually my model, though. So I don't know. Maybe should I be thinking differently or not? I don't know. So I don't know. That's, 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 that's the question. Right. Yeah, it's a good question. You know what I mean? For us to be asking each other, we can come back you know, on another episode of CEO Talks <laughs> and actually talk about you know, how we've grown. I feel right. like one of, the biggest, one of the greatest things about having these types of conversations is that it allows us to grow and it allows our listeners to see the transparency that we aren't perfect and we don't have it all. Right, you right. Know? So we get to grow together. Uh, for me, 
I think that an assistant who can also do some selling would be the strongest for me. Again, I know that my most lucrative product is myself in being that paid speaking engagements and trainings. And so if I had someone who could manage outreach and also what's coming into our inbox, then I think that that would be very key and that would help me be able to scale up. I think the other thing is also marketing is another area that I need to look into because I feel like I have this this thing going on right now where most people, you get the shine and you become a one-hit wonder, 15 minutes of fame, right? Not Number one, I don't want to be famous. But I've done the work, and now it just needs to be recognized. That's the difference. You know what I mean? Most right. people, they, they you know, glitz and glam, and then right. they haven't done the work. I've done the work. So right. it just needs to be, uh, people just need to know that it's The story here. needs to be told in the marketplace. Right. Yep. So those are the two areas that I feel like would take my business to the next level because when it comes to talking, when it comes to all of these these different things, like, you know, I've studied and I've been a student of it, mm-hmm. so I know it and, you know, I'm able to carry myself in a certain way. So that's where I feel. What about you, Eric? Yeah, I was about to say, what about South Wave for Counterfeit? Yeah, man, come on. <laughs> what about you? So, all right. So April of last year, my key hire was an assistant, someone who could help me on the operations side, someone that I could hand off all the, the tedious tasks to and could help me get the processes in order in order to help the company run smoother and actually help me hire a couple more people, point me in the right direction in terms of resources and, and all of that. The next hire after I found that person was talent, people who could create the product, right? And I, I run a software company. Obviously, that means software developers. And I, they had to be key. I had to have someone that could do a systems approach look at it like the full design, systems architect, draw out the whole thing. And I had to have someone that was more of a sniper could get in and literally just get jobs done, just go in and fix stuff, write code, um, and, and pump out uh, new products. And obviously they came together and I uh, have been rocking ever since. My current most strategic hire right now is a marketing director. Not just someone that can go on social media and post a couple things because my world doesn't work that way. I'm more B2B, right? right? Um, I need someone that can create a, uh, a persona from the company's brand that exists in the marketplace outside of us. So you Google a word that, that even comes up next to us. You you look for our company name. You search my name specifically. And all of that routes you, if you're a potential customer, to the right place in order to make a sale. Um, before that, it would have been a strategic salesperson, someone who could help me sell into my client base at larger and larger swaths. So I did a business development deal with a company that's helping me find, that introduced me to a company that has 72,000 ATMs. I did another business deal with another company um, that's allowing me to figure out uh, uh, national advertisers as opposed to regional or right. local, Makes right? Sense. So strategically, it's the people that are I'm building my business too. I can't handle it yet, but I'm building to get there and I need the experts along the way to help me walk in that direction properly. Mm. So yes, strategic admin job, I would say is important, but only for about four to six months. And in fact, if they do their job well enough, you can easily replace them and keep the, the wheel going. 
You should not be focusing on firing the right admin person for years, right? That means that your uh, your day-to-day business probably doesn't have enough, this is the job I do, this is the result that helps the company move forward. Probably it's like, I do a job, I don't see really any result. People get dismotivated that way and they tend to leave quickly. And then you're constantly looking for someone to, to fill that role again. I, I agree, and then I would say that that's an industry thing. I think that it depends on the industry. Um, I think it depends on the industry. Right. But even past the admin job, mm-hmm. you said an average job with partial salesperson. I would challenge you and say make sure there's two different people. Mm, okay. You don't want to waste your salesperson's job building processes. They need to have a process in place so that they can go make you money. Well, I think that, so for example, let's say somebody sends in an inquiry. They want to hire me to right. speak. Right. I'm calling the sales aspect of when they send in that email, then we reply, would you like to, you know, what is your budget, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then to me, that's that sells to an extent. How you talk to that person, because mm-hmm. my admin might speak to them before I do right. and say, would you like to get on a call with Mr. Right. Brown? And they, they usually ask out the gates, you know, like, what are your rates? Mm-hmm. And so we, tr- we mm-hmm. try our best not to discuss rates over the phone or yeah. through email. Absolutely. But in the event that they're like, we need it right now or something like that, we might shoot it over to them. And then, but we still want to have the phone conversation. So that admin, to an extent, I'm calling that sales because they're the per- first point of contact. Now, are they well, going that- out and actually <clears throat> selling? But then I would also say sales is also applying to a speaking engagement, you know, at a conference. To me, so, that's sales because you're going to be the correspondent between True, them. true. Um, <clears throat> sales and marketing sort of get hand in hand. But I would say there's a sales process. And it's like a, a, an assembly line. Mm-hmm. Your company, every single person in your company touches that assembly line, whether it's at the end of the sale, the beginning of the sale, or in the middle of the sale. Mm-hmm. Everybody touches it. Okay. But not everybody is making the sale. Not it, everybody it is out the there. In the actual conversation, it's I'm there. Exactly. So would a second you be the most valuable hire? I, I feel like there's a lot of hats worn. So a second me, to what extent? In the sales role, period. Someone who's selling you in your brand. That way you can free up that space to do something else. But I would still want them to take care of those emails, brother. <laughs> again, see, again. But I, I think you're, you're probably if, if talking from an me, economic perspective, though. If see, you had all the funds, would you not hire two people for the role? The two roles? Someone to handle intake and admin and back office stuff, and, and then someone, someone who outreach. is doing outreach and sales and talking hand in hand with the marketing team. This is the message for this quarter. This is what we're trying to do with then, Kevin's brand. Then I would think about that from the the size of the job. Are we getting enough emails in to have somebody on on the team full time with that? Tell about emails. I know. We talk about email. We talk about... Talk about emails. Talk about all these emails yeah, out. He's talking more holistic, though. I'm talking about he's, more holistically, saying, and I'm talking about leveraging saying, up past saying, your distribution about, list. He's talking about bringing a person in so they can bring so in more emails. That's all they're doing. That's all so they're doing. they can yeah, bring yeah, yeah. in yeah, yeah. more emails. Okay, okay, okay. So, but okay. he's talking real holistic, and it's and it's one of those things where, I mean, from I would say in, in my business, I, I'm trying to more leverage the internet in the sense of... And I'm trying to think in my... I'm, I'm really listening to your advice in a sense. I'm trying to think, you know... Who makes the call to say, because it really comes down to an you know, AdWord budget or some kind of internet tool mm-hmm. that's going to bring in, that's going to filter in all that stuff. Right. I don't know if it's really a person. 
I don't know, putting their money into a person. And sometimes it's, you know, I would it's, say it's hiring a person to say, the person gets here and they say, you know what? We need a $50,000 AdWords budget and that's just going to save your business. Versus and then, and then you pay the fifty thousand plus on top of the other person. So it's like, Ad, but but AdWords is a farce to some extent because you got to have your audience before your AdWords work in order to get your audience. You're not going to get them through AdWords, right? No, I think you will get your audience through. AdWords. You'll get some of your audience, audience through AdWords. So, so I piece, talk about and I'm, and I'm talking about yeah, it's a piece. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's a it's a I, piece. I talk about leverage a lot. Got to leverage up, right? Leverage with AdWords gets you a, a success ratio of less than 1%, right? My book, that's not leverage. I need a multiplying effect, yeah. not a div- dividing effect. If I hit 1,000 people, I don't want one. I want to hit one person and get 1,000. So if you're talking about leveraging up, then it requires a real person having real conversations, making connections that you haven't even thought of yet. Getting organic and, and, and in the moment, in in front of other people that so can say, you know what I can do for about, you? You talk about traditional, you talk about somebody making cold calls and emails and stuff? I'm or talking you, about... You talk about somebody, somebody going to network that's, that's the after, that's ne- the after portion. I'm talking about someone because maybe this is you for right now, learning to put yourself in a different place with people who can leverage you up in order to get you those funding to hire someone to do it on your behalf. Like, I just came from an, an ATM conference in, uh, in Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the attendee list is maybe 500 people strong, something like that. But the, it's a whole, it, it, it's got a ton of people walking through. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a booth. I'm exhibiting at this booth. But guess who's there? People that I want to sell into have thousands of ATMs, thousands of sites. Those are my potential customers. It's not one person with one ATM. I know a couple guys like that. It's not one person with 50 ATMs. I know people like that. It's one person with 1,000 plus ATMs. But I can't get to them until I go meet them where they are. So that requires me to get up and go do sales, face-to-face sales. And who did you take with you? My team. Because in your in you, in the way you talk about it, everybody in the team touches the sales pipeline. They all need sales experience. Every single one of my team stands at the booth and makes the sale. People walk over, hey, how you doing? Look at the product. This is why it's sexy. This is why you should buy it. We're even doing this. Here's this promotional. And they have to watch me, or they do, because they don't necessarily know how. They watch me sell. They pick up the language. They get that culture mm-hmm. of inviting experience. We're experts in our field. Nobody else can do it better. They learn the pitch because they're watching me do it, and now they're selling on their behalf as well. And I can leave the booth and let them run their run the show. But the point is the exhibit. The mm-hmm. exhibit was in front of people who had the leverage to boost my business with a multiplying effect. So you have to think of it like this. When you're running... So right now, primarily, you could say we're at a, at a public speaking. That's, that's the primary business is public speaking. Yes. Right? Yes. So as a motivational speaker, you don't need... I don't... I can't... I, it, it's not wise to have that many employees. So ideally what you would have is another, you only need one other right. person. Otherwise right. you could trip and you got three forty thousand dollars right. um ideally it would plan. be someone that's helped a public speaker in the past boost their sales. Ideally. Right. If but, not, then it'd be someone in your sector that has connections to large organizations that right. can you can sell into. Right. But again, and it's it's as simple as going to meeting the meeting planners 
uh, association and being an exhibitor there or being the being in situations where you're the only speaker there, right? So if I join the bar association, mm-hmm. I'm going to be the only professional speaker and trainer there mm-hmm. versus going to the National Speakers Association, then it's 10 million of us. So to me, what I'm hearing from you is a lot of putting yourself in the right place. Yeah, and then, absolutely. I think that's you know, all sales whoever, is, really and truthfully. When you're trying to leverage up, you can do the one by one by one by one by yeah, one. Well, nobody wants to go one by one by <clears> one, but what I'm saying is is that whether you have a person who is an admin or you have a person who is a professional at sales, if you're the one still there and you're the one doing the pitch, then the admin could learn the pitch if they're not timid. You know what I'm saying? I, so, under- I understand what you're saying. I'm, a- I'm not saying that the admin can't be selling on your behalf, especially in a small organization. A lot of times everybody wears the same hats. I'm saying when you already have an established business with an established uh, roadmap and you have all your SOPs written out, sometimes it's time to throw out the SOP and go straight to the people, straight to uh, the organizations. And this requires you specifically taking 70% of your time and focusing on sales possibly going in yeah, and that's, saying that's that's a given because you're going straight you're going straight to the source in order to make a difference in uh, right but do you do you understand how going to the source and getting the leverage is wholly different than reading calling 1000 people yeah you putting yourself like in the market, like in the, you putting yourself in the game where your customers are exactly. Yeah, customers but are. the opportunity is that your business can bloom as opposed to you just adding chips to the pile, right? And I think that so what you to me what would end up happening like let's say I was let's say I was at this conference at a conference. Yep. For me, you're gonna have a lot of leads that you end up needing to follow up on, right? Which, right. That's the mother. Which right. Is that's the mother. The admin again, again. That's we gonna be I doing it together. That. But I, I mean, that. the but that's initial, just the this. initial emails to set right. that up and to set up those conversations. I don't want to do that. So to have the conversations, which would be me uh, right. focusing on seventy percent of the sales, right? And I would just pick up the phone and then I would have a conversation, right? I'm once well, once it's scheduled. I, I guess what I'm saying is that you know you could there's there's marketing aspect. Mm-hmm. Which really you could say combing your your um your uh your leads and all that type of stuff, that's right. marketing work, right? Right. You know, in incentivizing those potential customers, getting them through to the to the point of sale. It's all marketing, the marketing funnel, trying to get them through the marketing funnel. What I'm trying to say is that there's a point in your business where you gotta stop looking at sales as sales and look at it all as business development. How can I take my business and evolve it so that it explodes? in ways I haven't thought of yet. And that way I'm not just doing the one-off, calling people, and my important hire isn't doing data entry. My important hire is making money, bringing in bread. That's what I'm saying. That Don't I focus on the data entry. Focus on, on, on the bread makers. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the business development sense. person is you right now because you are the most key aspect. You are the talent, and you you have the business. You so, know the business. So yeah. and and that's, in that's what I'm trying to transition to right now. With everybody, in layman's terms, what you're saying is is that everybody's answering the emails. Yes, and everybody is focusing yes. on how to make more money for the company. That's so that just you're going movement. overall, right? Right. So he's basically switching modes. So absolutely. Then when you say that, and now that we went through this back and forth, <laughs> <laughs> it's very clear that hiring another me would be the best hire because. <clears throat> It's somebody else who can do the range of things. Like, you know, like I have the capacity to do the, I mean, I sit down and at the emails with the emails for about an hour, hour and a half, you know, a day. Um, And so I see, I see a point. I hear you. Yeah. I I think that um, good hires ultimately depend on the stage of business you're in. 
Um, but if you're an entrepreneur, you're probably at that point you've hit a wall. And, and in order to, to, to leapfrog that wall, you need to hire experts and meet experts in your business. You know, if, if you're not talking to them, man, I was at this ATM conference and you just sit down with people who have been in the business for 20, 30 years, have been around since the first ATM. You used to go up to the ATM, get a piece of paper out with, with the dollar amount, and you would go to the cash register, and the cash register would give you cash. That's how the well, ATM we worked in the beginning. Those? No, we were not. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I mean by like history and people who have already done it before. If you don't know people right now and are regularly speaking to them, that are, I'm not talking about, oh, they're sort of doing what I want to do in a couple years. They have done it for the last 15, 20 years. That's mm-hmm. the people you need to meet in order to leverage up. I had that conversation today. I'm actually in the process of negotiating my biggest contract ever. Nice. Congratulations. Um, thank you. And it's a training. Um, okay. I'm going to design a 12-month leadership training for a company. Wow. And, I mean, I'm excited about it. It's huge. It's huge. and so i created a proposal you know the ceo asked for the proposal i created it i left the budget aspect of the proposal out and i just highlighted it so that i wanted to Mm -hmm. get him to tell me a ballpark that he thought right right? right. but also i felt that i wasn't yet qualified to have that conversation Mm. so what did i do i called the guy who does trainings overseas at major corporations. I called him today and I said, hey, you know, I'm looking to um, have this situation going on. How should I approach it? Mm -hmm. And he sat with me for about an hour, hour and a half Mm -hmm. and broke it down to me. He said, you don't want to charge them for creating the curriculum and then coming in and and executing it Mm -hmm. and this, that, and other. He said, you want to approach it as a, on a project basis. Mm -hmm. He gave me a ballpark of what, you know, what is, what I should charge. He told me how much, um, what, what, around what the minimum should be. He asked me, you know, what's your relationship with the company? Have you ever done work with them? Because scary numbers would. Uh, mm-hmm. Scare somebody who you haven't done the business with. Mm-hmm. All of these things this guy told me. So what you when you're talking about having those conversations with people who've done it, yep. they make a difference. And I asked him. I said, "Can I rewrite this up and send it over to you, right? Uh, so that you can look over?" He said, "Yeah." And then I asked him. I said, he, "One of the best things that he told me is he said you want to go after the benefits, not the features of what you're going to do. The benefits. Right. What are the right. benefits to this company for them having mm-hmm. this program?" You know, for the board of directors, for the community, right. for the staff, all of these things, these aspects. And in Feature, car goes really fast. Right. Benefit, Benefit, you'll get to work quicker. Exactly. And a lot of people name features with what it is that they're doing. Right. You got to name the benefits. Right. Because then that speaks to the client. Right. And that's the real reason why to do it. If you can name the top benefits and those benefits are important enough, then the price doesn't matter. I feel like it's always, uh, I mean, I think it's... Uh, Asking questions to the client. I mean, I feel like you get a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think sometimes entrepreneurs beat themselves up thinking about price. I think like when you just mentioned something, sometimes you just got to ask, you know, what's your budget? Yep. I think that comes down to it. And then, you, I mean, you get a lot of data from that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're saying, you know, hey, we don't mind spending 2000 3000 If that works and, you know, then you just outline. This is what I can do for you for that. Exactly. I think that there's that, and then there's in certain situations, like 
if you have a contract like this and you you want somebody to tr- come in and train like that and then knowing my speaker rate like you know this is going to be big actually you kind of lose if he would have named a a price it could go either way whether it's to his advantage or to his you know disadvantage and I, th- I think the same thing for me so asking those questions like we had conversations so I literally the majority of this negotiation has been me being on the phone with him and his assistant finding out exactly what it is that they need and what their vision for the program is because now I can understand the scope of work that I have. So yeah. that's the other thing. You don't yeah. want to be money hungry in a situation. You want to really yeah. understand what is it that you need, what is it that you want to take place, and then from there, right. then you can assess it and say, you know what, this is going to require me to have this amount of work, that amount of work. Right. And that was what he was actually schooling me to earlier today. And so I was just very thankful to have somebody in my corner like that who I could call and ask because right. one of the biggest things about public speaking, if any of the listeners are want to be motivational speakers and things like that, speaking is cool and it's like gigging, which means that you could be hot for the summer and cold for the next nine months. You want to have contracts in place with companies that can sustain you so that you can project what kind of moves and what kind of investments you can make in your life. Mm-hmm. It took me a few years to learn that, but I'm happy that I know it now, so I'm giving that to you. And a lot of times speakers... They'll tell you, they make it seem like they're making a lot of money, and they're not. A lot of them have their fortunes before they start speaking, Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, and it took me talking, having a conversation with a guy who makes $25,000 a speech, and asking him how he makes his money, and he was like, you know, it's a lot of multi-level marketing, and he gave me all these different aspects of how he does it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so this is just, you know, one aspect. Now, I mean, if you're up to 10K per speech and you do 10 in a year, you can't be mad. You right. Know? But some guys are that good where they're 50,000, you know, right. 100,000, this, that, and the third. So it's like one speech, you know, 10 speeches. You know what I mean? You can hit those numbers and your goals. It depends on what they are. But contracts is, in my opinion, where you want to be at with it. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. What is the best interview question you can think of? Hey, we're going to let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, as I keep saying, I'm really big on culture. So I ask, I pointedly ask, what makes you want to get up and come to work every day? Um, I've gotten really good questions, really good answers of, you know, I really like doing this and I really like doing that. And I like to, to learn in my job, in terms of becoming more proficient here, more proficient there. And that'll usually lead into a question of what else do you do outside of work, um, which helps to, to help really shine a light on who a person is. Um, but you can tell how excited someone is about the interview they're even in at the moment answering that question. Because if they're BSing or if this was just one of eight interviews that they just had, you know, they won't be able to answer it well. Because usually it comes back to, I'd love to know this about your company because that's what excites me. That's why I'm I'm even interviewing right now, which goes back to what you were saying, Kevin, about um, knowing your, doing your research before you even get to the interview. Yeah, I was going to say, I think one of the questions I ask, I usually look it up, some questions, um... Uh, a little bit before, I like I've looked at stuff with like, um, like Mark Zuckerberg. He asks like these weird questions, just like problem solving questions, to see how people go about mm-hmm. solving some things. I sometimes take from that. I don't know any top of my head, but I know one of the main things I do ask um, is, you know, what do you feel like you're designed to do? 
in the sense of, you know, as I said, I always try to ask purposeful questions. Mm-hmm. Who do you feel like you're on this earth for? Mm-hmm. And I usually try to see how does that approach and, uh, and you know, I said it's more of seeing if that's aligned with the company goals and stuff. And, and, and I said that's what happens most. And if it is aligned, then I don't have to hustle for them to make it on time because. Right. You're excited. Yeah. They'll be here anyway. All right. For me, number one thing, I'll call it number zero because it's not even a part of it. Be early. <laughs> if you, man, man, I it's not a question. You, but, hey, man, be early. If you on time, man, I don't know what to tell you. What's the I, best I, interview question I you would you. ask? I got you. Best interview question I got two. What do you know about us? Okay. Yep. I got to know, I have to know that you know who we are. And then number two, where are we lacking or what do you think we need to improve and how can you help? I want, I enjoy criticism. I want you to shoot holes in our armor. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, while you do that, I want you to be able to tell us how to fix it and how you can do it. I want you to come in. I want you to come in as a sniper, right? And 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 kill that, execute that, those right. things that you think that we can make better. Because at, at the end of the day, I'm looking for assets, right? Not liabilities, right? Always comes down to the bottom line. Chris, you had something else? No, I just had a quick question. I was thinking. Go ahead. About uh, because I you know I think about as I said, I go back with the creatives. You know what I? Not that they're late all the time, but I I run into situations where. I've had somebody who come in on time every time, but they only can edit one type of video. And I've worked to, I will work to help them grow that skill set, but they can't grow that skill set, but they come on time. You know, they're, you know, they're very professional. Versus I will have the person who's extremely creative, might be five minutes of them late, but I could throw anything out of them and I will get gold. And I Planning. think those, I think those, and that's why I said that's, I, I run into those circumstances where that's why I got to predict because it's one of those things. If I can, you know, if I get them there, I know they're going to take down. The think scenario. about this though. What would that same person do if they was hired by Google to do that job? Would they, would they, and they would. Google fire people? Yeah, they do. But I'm saying, I think that some of it is the yeah. expectation of you having to be on time, right? You talked about that earlier. You said sometimes I'm like, yo, you got to be on time, and other times I'm not. Like when when people see no, me, there's more. Of, there are moments where we can't be late, and there's moments where we don't have to be on time. No, that, and I think no, that's no, 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 no. But see, that's the thing. That and that's, that you saying that in itself to me is is an issue. It's every time we're early, right? So yesterday I had another talk with my staff. Like my staff usually have to be there at five for five thirty. No, now we we push it to four thirty because if the interns are unavailable, which they were yesterday, one of them had a death in the family. The other one had. Um, the celebration of a death of a friend or the memory of a friend, right? So neither one of them, I was there by myself hooking everything up. At that point, I realized that I don't have the capacity to do that. So therefore, I need help. I need you to show up early in order to do this. So it's not, you're not showing up at 5.30 and I'm going on air. Like that ain't happening. But I think, see, as I said, I would never have a flexible situation like that. When I say, when I have flexible situations, it's where I am... Let's say some. I, I mean, I don't edit. I'm just trying to think. Let's say something I'm really doing right now. So I'm I'm looking and learning redesign the site or applying things to my website. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm doing that from one to seven, and I might have. I may say we. You know, I'm setting a meeting. I need you to come in between one and two. 
So it's one of those things. It's a flexibility situation. But you can't be if late come if, in, as long as you come in they, from one to two. If they come in after two, I consider that late. But I'm saying it's, it's flexibility. That's what I'm saying. Well, see, for me, what I would I say know, is so, I, I need you here no later than one one forty five. Yeah, see, I don't you know. See, yeah, see, I don't know. If, so that's yeah. the difference in the language. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I say. I don't know because because when I hear when you speak, it sounds like if they're not here by if you say one o'clock and they're not here by one o five, all hell is breaking loose. Well, what I'm saying it's it's not all hell is breaking loose because you still have to respect people. There might have been something that happened, mm-hmm. but there will be there'll be a conversation like, look, we. The show starts at 5.30. I'm here at 2. I need everybody to be here before because we don't know what can happen. Exactly. Right? So you're exactly. stating why it's important to be late, but you're not showing up. If we like, yo, I need you here at 2, you're not showing up at 2.05 at 2.15 unless the train is delayed and you let me know. You give me a heads up. Exactly. And then that's also too. Now, that's another thing. Protocol. Like protocol. I'm big with protocol because it's one of those things where you don't know what's going to happen. But to keep people in the blind... Mm-hmm. That's where I don't really play games with that because it's one of those things where the show has to go on and the show can't stop because, you know, somebody. I mean, I hate to be frank. Somebody died or somebody. What you call? You know, you have to you have to inform people so we can have yeah, so things, you can move. Yeah, so we can move forward. So yeah, you know. But I think I think your leniency on time overall creates the opportunity to miss the gap. <laughs> yeah, to, to miss it. Louis, what you say? Say it again. It, it creates the opportunity for for something to fall through the cracks. Got it. Right. And um, so, got it. on small things like that, I feel like that's where you have to, um, not necessarily stern, but you want to be detail oriented in that because I feel like that is going to be and bleed into other areas. But so I'll say, so do you do you get rid of a person like that? Is it one of those things where it's like, yeah, you absolutely do. Okay. Because so, so you're, you're not getting your bang for your buck. They may come here all day. That's because they're pulling down an hourly check. That's why they're on time, but they're not skillful, so they're not taking your business to the next level. So you got to get them, let them saying? go. You saying the time person or the, the person, person who is on time, on time and yeah, yeah, is not go, skillful? No, I'm talking about the person who's on. The person who's who's. Well, the person who, I would say not that they're given what you not that they're, not the that they're disrespectively set. late. I'm just saying not that they're disrespectively late. But what is disrespectively late? Disrespectively late is saying we have to be set set up and we have to be set up to shoot something at two. So that means I might be calling that we might need to meet up at the office one thirty to be there. I mean, we, that's I might, wrong in itself. How you gonna have to be somewhere at two and you meeting up at one thirty? That's crazy. Let me finish. No, no, no. That's funny. I'm saying we have to be set up. We have to be set up. To, <laughs> I said we have to be set up to shoot at two. Right. Uh, so we all have to get there at one. And this person comes maybe one fifteen. That's. Okay, there's there's the opportunity. So to, that's what I said. That's you what give I said. someone the opportunity to be on time, but if they're consistently late, sooner or later, that's gonna you're gonna miss out on some money because of that. Oh yeah, of course. Okay. And but it, 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 I think it's 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 couple it's it's multidimensional, right? Yes, you buffer enough time to account for anything Error. crazy. Yeah. But if it's top down culture, being late is okay. Sooner or later, that being late. It's gonna make cost you some money. That's all I'm saying. And, and I think that if you have a two o'clock set time to be up and ready to go, your call time should be twelve thirty, which means that you should be leaving wherever you're at. Especially as the CEO, you should be leaving at twelve to be there for twelve thirty, if not eleven forty five. Be there at twelve thirty. You should be the first person there on the scene. If not, then people people should know that that's the culture that you're gonna be the first person there. And if you happen to be late. 
then you sending out the text to let everybody else know is what's going to be key. But it's always top down. It's always top down. Like you don't know. I'm saying, saying, let's say they do come one fifteen. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, if they come one fifteen, that means it happened one time. You had a conversation. Why? Mm -hmm. And then it didn't happen again after that. But if this person is a person that's always one fifteen, sooner or later it's going to be one thirty. It's going to be one forty five. It's going to be two two fifteen. Now you're dealing with a the influence that you're accepting that causes as ripples throughout the rest of your organization so other people start getting creeping up on the on the being late scale mm-hmm. but then you also have to deal with this one person now costing you money now you gotta fire somebody because you cost me money and i don't like to lose money because of your tardiness that's just for me it's that's not that it's a problem right now it's that it it's creates the culture of it being okay which is going to create a problem in the future so you have to forecast and i think that's one of the things that helps you with hiring people uh for good or if they actually fit into the culture is understanding or kind of projecting where that person is going to be and where they're going to take the culture like you're going to have some surprises but so sometimes you need to hire someone that's that timely Keeps everybody else in check. Chris, guess what? Got to be there. Da, 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 da. They're always sending out the emails. Everybody leaving? I think the important message is... Don't be late. When you're late or you on time, you're wasting people's time. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. But I just say, I don't think I don't that... quote that. I don't think, I don't think that was going to give me the job. I think at the end of the day, that's what, that's what it counts, winning the game. Listen, you think, you don't think. No, it's no, I all know. a thought. I, say, I know. You I know. can't know because no, no, history I know. is already written. The I facts know. No, I know. are already the I talked facts. To, I, talked to, I, I know. She, she, excuses, brother. You're giving us excuses. We don't want them. Okay. We don't want them. You want to go hypothesis with it. What if you showed up on time Saw something you wouldn't have seen and been like, you know what? This probably this lady probably don't like that other lady. I'm not even gonna bring her up. What do you mean? I don't even know what that means. In the in the conversation, you were like, you brought up the fact that you you knew somebody else. Are you saying that uh, you could have never said that because you found something out before you got there? I don't. I don't. don't, uh, All I'm saying is it's possible. I could have been late and found something that got there. I could have been late because I found something. Exactly. So again, he he believes it's possible. This poor preparation promotes piss poor performance. This poor performance prevents progress. I don't know how to. I don't. I, and it's just to say, I don't know how to prevent that. If I came on time, I don't know if I should not. The mention point it. is to not the know. Question, the, question the point was, is to set yourself up. The for question success. was that she asked me, "Who did I work with in NYU that I did work with?" I said, and I told her mostly all the people. I said, "I did." Okay, from I thought it was a number situation. From a psychology point, this is how I know. Okay, I'm listening. You personally. And your heart of hearts probably believe you should fix the timeliness. You say in my heart of hearts, it's psychology. <laughs> He's a psychologist. I, I know. I'm saying it's I some have, Jedi Matrix situation. I psychotherapy. Like, I'm, like, I'm like so clear that it wasn't the timing situation, and he just declared that. I thought, I'm like, hold on, where does that come out left field? I'm listening though. <laughs> I'm, listening. I'm not a psychologist. I have psychotherapy training. Oh, but that's because you are fighting it so hard. I'm fighting what's specific. You're making the issue about what this person knew about me. That's a victim mentality. What this person it knew means the, about the me. external circumstances are beyond my control. I couldn't change it. But she knew what I told her. Exactly. Okay. But I'm saying I'm saying that it, it, what you told her, what she knew about you, her pre-existing feelings could have always happened. Doesn't matter. None of that changes anything. The variable which we're trying to focus on, you're trying to push the flashlight away from. 
We're over here talking about what this lady knows and all that type of stuff. The important part in the whole segment was about being on time. Top-down culture, setting a precedent so that other people don't create opportunities like this to happen again. You're fighting it because you know in your heart of hearts you can do better. I know I can do better. Man, that's all I need to know. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I've always said this room for a bit, but I, I want to take... I want to take a very, I want to take a, a scripture from the good book. Okay. The, <clears throat> the book of AI. <laughs> <laughs> this is just practice. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, but exactly. practice. So but practice, you practice, if you don't is, practice, you don't get paid for playing in the game. It's practice. Come on. We're talking about nah, practice. Nah, bro. Everything and, you and, do and, every but, day but is practice. And, 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 you know, in parallel with this circumstance is one of those things where, now, being careful how I choose on nah. this one, but it's one of those things where if, you know, as I said, like if I said all the people I work with, I was qualified. If I'm not qualified to work with you because I was seven minutes late, then I don't know. I, it's, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's a the good. world works on microseconds, brother. If you go down to Wall Street and you just watch the tickers of sales, buys and sales occurring in the, in the free marketplace microseconds, there's billions of dollars moving, which means that every second counts. So if a company is running a multi-million dollar organization, they're about to hire you for maybe a few thousand dollars. For them, them taking time out of their schedule to even speak to you is probably loss of dollars somewhere else. So if you show up and say that, you know what, you didn't hire me because of seven minutes, you're right. You weren't worth it. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I will challenge yeah, you, you brothers you to be, be yeah, If you can't be on That's, time, you're not worth it. If you can't be, if you can't be early, you're not worth it. Got to show up. Trust me. I, I was in an organization, and um, the individual I followed in the organization was perpetually late. Perpetually. And there was always a reason why. This meeting man over. This happened. And after a while, I started picking up when he lied about it. He lied about what? About being late. The reasons why he was late. Okay. He was just so accustomed to being, being late. late. Now he would just come up with reasons. Mm-hmm. And so that slowly started seeping. And, I, and then everybody in the organization started being late. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about top-down culture, I'm speaking about it from experience. Yeah. You got to show up and be the first one on time. And then everybody else would be like, this is the way this company works. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to be successful here. And then you're, when you meet people, because that extra time, Gives you the time to organically build relationships, and that's all business is. And be just prepared. relationships. And be prepared. I feel like it, yeah. it gives time for the preparation. But Chris, I think one of the best things, and I'll say it again, I said it earlier, is the transparency of our conversations, of CEO talks, with us just being open and honest about right. it. yo, look, I right. agree, I disagree, nah, this, that, right. and the other, and us admitting our flaws. You know what I mean? Like right. I feel like that's the part of the stuff that makes this really, really dope. So Kudos to y'all, brothers. I, I only say that, you know, I, I've personally put myself around people that are extremely successful, ridiculously wealthy. And this probably happened within the last three months or so. And I noticed one thing about them. They run on minutes, clocks. This hour time frame's taken up with this activity. This hour time frame's taken up with this activity. They keep their bodies running at full steam. They're healthy. They're, you know, running five miles a day. They're on the mm-hmm. clock all the time. They're answering emails. They're responsive. They spend the energy and they're disciplined beyond measure. That's who I want to be. 
And time is the only resource that you can't get back. So it's the most precious. You can always get more money. You know, you can always get everything else but your time. So for me, if somebody, if you're showing up late, you don't respect me. You don't respect my time. Get out of here. If you show up and you don't know what it is that you, what you're supposed to be talking about or what you're curious in, things like that, you wasting my time. Get out of here. I don't want you around me. (laughs) Don't waste my time. I I, I would say (laughs) lateness is definitely as a form of disrespect. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think we can all agree that when we hiring, we hiring people who show up early. <laughs> <laughs> or who are on time. Moving hey, how forward. How you doing? You want a piece of get one for coffee? How are you? Right, right. <laughs> but um, I think today has been a, a very fruitful conversation in all uh, aspects. Um, you know, tell mm-hmm. me when I'm messing up. I, let me know. I, I only keep people around me that sharpen my edges. Yeah. I, I've lost a lot of friends that way, but I've gained quite a few lifetime individuals that I, I live and breathe my last four. And so um, I just want everybody at this table to be successful. And I think that sharing the wisdom of those who have come before us is the best way to do that. Yeah. Which is why I'd be like, you, I'm disappointed, young lady. Do better. <laughs> it's just a little wisdom. No, Maybe she'll it. use it. Maybe she won't. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. 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 You better create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life.